Hey everyone, Bob WP here, and welcome to episode 132. In this WooBiz chat, hosts Robbie and Maya talk with Christopher Churchill and Marcel Schmitz about the freelance biz. Chris works at Codable, and Marcel has his own software company, but also is contracted through Codable. Trust me, if you want to learn about the Woo freelancing biz, sit back and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our episode this week. We have, and uh, sorry, I'm Robbie Adair, and I've got Maya Longcar as my uh, co-host here, and we are happy to bring on Christopher Churchill and Marcel Schmitz today. Uh, we are going to be talking about WooCommerce business aspects of what these guys are dealing with in their day-to-day work. Um, we also, though, want to, first of all, give you a little shout out to WordFest uh, that's coming up this month. And so don't forget to sign up. Um, and then the other thing that we just want to let you guys know is that this is a, the last uh, month that we'll be doing this as a video podcast. We'll go to audio podcast after this, which was much to Christopher's dismay that he got caught in the last video. <laughs> It was much to my dismay, Robbie, yes. Um, I'm otherwise very happy to be part of the, the last video one. So, yeah, I can compensate. There we go. It balances itself there, out. There, it balances out. <laughs> That's right. Done. And, and guys, we're going to start with uh, having you introduce yourselves. Tell us a, a little bit about yourself, where you work, what you're doing, and then we'll hop right in with some questions. So, Christopher, let's start with you. Um, thank you, Robbie. Um, I'm Christopher Churchill, as you stated. Um, technically, I'm head of support in the expert community at Codable Dio. Um, I live on a farm in rural Ireland. Um, I don't get out much. I live in the woods. I like woodworking, as you can see. Um, that's me. I was a JavaScript programmer by trade before I worked in-house at Codable. Nice. I know if I need some furniture, who to contact? Correct, yes, by all means. And Marcel. So um, my name is Marcel Schmitz. I was born in Brazil. I have German citizenship, and I live in Porto, Portugal. I've been doing uh, WordPress for many, many, many years now, but my area of expertise is WooCommerce. Um, I've been working with Codable for five, six years now. I had other three agencies before that. So I'm uh, developing websites for more than 20 years now. Um, that's me. Um, I do also uh, mobile development with iOS, Android, and um, yeah, that's basically it. Awesome. All right. Well, Maya's going to get kicked off with some questions here. This is awesome. Seriously. I mean, uh, I'm sure people know you in the community already, and since we announced even the mention of uh, this episode, actually there were so so many great answers and comments on the, on the post. So today... Or the, what we would like to talk to you about is uh, how a freelancer can actually succeed in uh, in this modern world. So my first question would actually be for Christopher, and it would be like, what is the role of the, or the business model of like Codable in a modern in, in a modern world, and how you actually assist freelancers to reach their goals? Okay, so essentially. Uh, the role of a business like Codable should be um, to match the right client to the right expert at the right time. That's what it is. A client has an issue or has a problem. And I, I'm coming to the belief more and more that it's not the actual development they were doing. It's matching the right people to the right people. It's knowing that the customer, who they are, what 
what their cultural sensitivities may be and matching that to the right expert on the other end and making sure that both of those relationships are happy, um, both of those individuals in that relationship are happy and that they're whistling while, while they work, basically. Um, how we do that, um, on the freelancer side, we have learning platforms, we have a large community of people, Marcel being um, a very active member there, um we offer support um we offer support whenever we can both from learning of soft skills learning of um technical skills um it's nice to connect to peers i think which is not something that freelancers get to do often they tend to work by themselves having they to work by themselves and they tend to suffer problems and issues that other people around them may not suffer because they don't understand what they do whereas if you can speak to people who are your peers I think it helps. I think it helps to flesh those ideas out, to understand you're not alone, to understand you're not the only person that that is feeling like um, you're not qualified, you know, that you're, you have imposter syndrome. So does everyone. Look, here's a load of people that have that. You're not alone. These are people who have done this for years that still feel like they may not belong. Um, and we're there mainly to be that network and offer that, make sure that they have a happy influx of customers at all time. Of course, that's the basis of it but to be that structure and support network around the freelancers and around the people on the platform i also want to ask myself from this point of view does codable uh, really cut this unnecessary job for you which you're not interested in general to do like administration finding the client promoting marketing you know and stuff like that well, that's, that's one of the big, great features about Codable is that um, the first vetting of the client and the first contact maybe, and even if the client is coming out as being a big client, a big budget, and we have this idea and et cetera, they're going to get um, sort of like checked, not, not really uh, very deeply checked, but they're going to be sort of um, um, chosen for us before it comes to our pool of choices. So that's, for me, is advantage number one, is to be able to feel confident about the clients that are coming in. Um, the second advantage for me is being protected. So I belong to a group, I belong to a platform that has its rules, um, that everybody that plays in, within the platform and has its roles, they're, they're abounded to some sort of rules. And those rules are both for clients and also for the freelancers that are there. And the third advantage for me is that it's one of the kind that provides um, support for clients. So if a client doesn't like the work that is being done, uh, doesn't get the uh, expert to communicate that much or has any sort of issues and problems, he not only has a support team who is there for, for the clients to, to give him some answers, but there's also sort of uh, like a guarantee and insurance that there are other people. If uh, for some reason some expert would not deliver like it would be expected, there's always a solution for that, right? So the client will never uh, be stranded and he will ever, every time you will find a, an answer to, to his problems. So that's, for me as a, a freelancer, not having to worry about making those support calls or, or if I, for, for some reason, have an issue communicating with the client or the client is not responsive or the client just disappeared, I can also contact support and, and get that help from them. So it's, it's a win-win situation for everybody. 
And while we're on the subject of Codable there, um, I'm sure, and, and we could probably get a different perspective from both of you on uh, last year, I'm sure that the workflow increased dramatically coming through there, correct? And did you see more of an increase in e-com, WooCommerce work versus other work that was coming through Codable? Uh, from, a, from a platform. Yes. The I'm so discussed. glad that he made it. <laughs> <laughs> That's that Elvis. Was... He's outside my window. Um yeah, of course, uh, we saw an influx, um, same as I think everyone mm-hmm. else in the industry to some degree. Um, everyone was moving online. Everyone was everyone was moving online. Everyone was wanting to all of a sudden, we got the rooster, you did, Shanta, yes. Um, everyone was all of a sudden trying to, A, work remotely, if, the, if they could do. And I think that led to a lot of people trying new ideas that and pushing into new entrepreneurial areas that they weren't pushing into before. But I also think the existing customer base that had e-commerce, which is a lot of what we service as well, to some degree, not that we don't service new ideas, but we're looking to scale very rapidly. We're looking to start taking on the demand of things that were coming through the type of requests that they got coming through um very rapidly and i know i think you had a couple last year marcel that that you were dealing with with regards to both of those issues i think correct um i think we we have many different situations we have obviously one or the other business who had to close because of of the pandemic but we had other issues uh, other businesses who had wanted to expand they wanted to uh, solve their issues they wanted to maybe they had some physical stores or they had other mediums to sell their products and, and they wanted to increase their online sales or even people who had their businesses have gone down and they wanted to start something new. So there was very much an increase in terms of um, wanting to get uh, something extra for the situation that they, they were going through. Uh, were they a very successful business or were they some somebody who got fired or who lost their job and they wanted to start something new? For us and for me particularly, definitely it was a, probably the best year that I had at Codable. Awesome. Um, what's your, for instance, I, I always have a question because I'm sure Christopher receives tons of different clients. What is uh, your favorite type of a client, external, internal, or B2B or B2C, any other type of client? Hmm. Uh, for me personally, I'm head of community. So for me personally, my favorite type of quote unquote client um, is the community. I think one of the main reasons I work for Codable is because it's a, I would consider it a great equalizer. It means it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter who you are. If you can deliver quality work, you deserve to be paid a particular price. That's it. There's no race to the bottom. There's nothing with regards to there's there's basically no race to the bottom. I'm not getting experts to compete against each other to see who can deliver something for the cheapest price. That's not what we're about. Our pricing model doesn't reflect that. A customer gets one price no matter what. They don't get different bids. The experts collaboratively work on projects up front um, to price those projects out. It happens very seamlessly or mainly seamlessly. Yeah, to me, being able to, that's why clients, experts are my favorite clients, I suppose, if that answers your question, Maya, that to be able to provide that to people, to be able to offer an opportunity to people who who weren't able to do that themselves or mm-hmm. where they're located geographically, people Im- immediately look at them in a particular way and they value their work as lower simply because they're based somewhere where 
the cost of living is lower. That's that's not right. I, I don't think personally. I don't think that's right. I think that's a model that I think that's the future model. I I think countries that are uh, that are up and coming nowadays, it's no real cheaper than living in other places. You still cost money. You're driving prices down. You're driving quality down. Is what you're doing ultimately. And my rooster agrees. That's right. Actually, maybe I could rephrase the question and then ask you: Do you choose the customers or, or clients, or they choose you? Who is more picky? I wouldn't. I don't know if I could answer who is more picky. Uh, but the, the great thing about my, in my case, I have many more returning clients than new clients right now. So, but for any new client that I um, come to me, um, maybe because I'm longer in the platform and I have maybe some references out there who or other clients who worked with me before but every new client that comes to me they're great they're polite they value your work they uh, admire other work that you have done they looked at your profile and they like sort of um make you feel um i wouldn't say special but they they come prepared uh, into into giving uh, all the value that that you deserve uh, before getting into the job and so when, when you ask if, if there's any favorite kind of, of client, I, I wouldn't say there, is, there isn't because we don't have bad clients per se. So everybody that's in, uh, going, coming into Codable and for the first time as a client and, and wants to get something done, if he's not kind, if he's not polite, then he's out. So that's basically, we don't even almost not get to, to, to those clients. So yeah, that, that would be my question, my, my answer to the question. And Marcel, while we are hearing from you, will you also tell us how what what made you choose the freelancer path versus going to work for another company or a corporation? Right. Um, so I began. I always began doing uh, my um, career in as a web developer um, by owning uh, my own agency. So I started uh, trying to uh, um, gain clients, trying to provide solutions. Uh, I ran after different projects. So I always had that route. I never had the experience to work for a company as an employee before, as a developer. For me, the freelance um, business is I, it is my choice right now because it, because of Codable. Codable provides me the best way for me to uh, get this kind of clients who are, like I said before, respectful and they appreciate your work and they return to you and you build a relationship with them. So I would say probably what I've admired the most about the freelancing is the relationship that you can build with clients. Could That could be also the case if I would be working for another company, right? If I would be in, on an agency and with a developer. Mm -hmm. But I guess in that case, you wouldn't have that much um, access to the client or you wouldn't be talking to the people um, as much as you would if you're a freelancer. So this um, ability for you to have to communicate, to express yourself, to even talk about technical stuff and not only technical stuff. All of that together um, makes it much, much more sense to, uh, as a human being and as a, as a system a solver or a provider to, to work with clients than, than any other way of it. Uh, I think you touched on something really interesting there. What sets a good freelancer apart is the ability to build relationships, is what I would argue. It's not about, it's never about what that customer needs now or what that customer might need now. It's about supplying them with what they need now in such a manner that they are always going to come back to you for it. You are their trusted partner in this journey that they are making with their website, and they will always come back to you. It's about establishing those relationships in very solid manners, and it's about 
the small things. It's about saying please, thank you, or remembering them on a holiday and saying, hey, happy holiday. It's it's the it's the little things that make it. And that's what sets a really amazing freelancer apart from the ones that aren't, uh, I would argue. It's the it's the soft skills, not the that's that's the most difficult part to to really tone down which marcel does very well um it's the really it's the it's the best it's the hardest part to get right is the soft it's the soft stuff not the technical stuff the technical stuff you can learn in a book you can you can get there and it's not i'm saying it's not hard i suppose is reductive but you're capable of learning it with ease there's a structure to it the soft stuff is the harder piece of it. Yeah. And, and in the training that you mentioned that Codable offers earlier, Christopher, do you guys have soft skills training? Awesome. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Also, it's, since this has turned into a discussion about Codable in many respects, but in which is to apply, they're welcome to hit our website. And there's an apply all right. there, by all means. <laughs> Fair enough. Throw, throw it out there. And by the way, the, um, the flip side of that, well, I will tell people too, is if they have a project and they are looking for someone, going to a place like Codable means this, they've been vetted. I mean, and it's, you know, I see people all the time on the groups I'm in in uh, LinkedIn or, or Facebook, and they're like, I need an expert in WooCommerce, or I need an expert in LearnDash. And they're just throwing it out there. And I mean, they're getting a lot of response. But my thought is always when I see that is I'm like, Oh, you're really going to have to like vet whoever you're getting referred on these social media platforms. And how are you going to vet them? Whereas when you go through something like Codable or I say, you know, even other directory sites where the people have had to prove in some manner uh, they have a work history and, and, and there's some work ethic there that we know has been uh, verified by uh, clients and things like that. I think that it's so to yes, freelancers go and sign up on Codable, but also people who are looking for help. Of course, yeah. This is a place where it's been they've been vetted, and this is great. And that you guys are also helping them with all these other training and helping them keep up to date. I just think that's great. To your point there, Robbie, there's a there's a whole industry built around just vetting people or recruiting or like it's a mass. It's not an easy thing to do to get the right person into a job particularly hence companies spending millions and millions of dollar on it dollars on it a year isn't it i think it's something that people forget when they're looking for people forget it sometimes is all, is all it is i suppose yeah i definitely think that so i have a question like what do you consider most important part relevant to building e-commerce project, I mean, a full online shop? For me, there are a couple of things, um, not in any particular order, but a previous experience that the client had with e-commerce before is for me important. Uh, to know if it is the first time that they're in, uh, going through the difficulties of setting up an online store, or if they had some sort of previous experience and they know which uh, paths are going to lead to potential problems and they're going to have to solve the, the, those problems by themselves. The second thing I would say is um, the, the product itself or the service, have you done that before? Have you sold that before? Do you have the experience of selling that product? Do you know what you need to sell that product? Because sometimes clients come and say, I heard WooCommerce is great. It can do everything. It's just plugins here and there and I can set up and I can sell my courses and etc. Right. But your courses still have to be very good, right? You have to be able to communicate and, and do a, a great job about that. And the same, the same thing with the products. So 
I would say the second thing is, do you know your product? Do you know your audience? Do you know where you're going to? Do you know where you want to go with this? And then just just try to get a feel of the client and and, and feel, even before coming to all the technical uh, aspects of, of the website, just to try to get an idea at which level are we talking is this client at when it comes to selling online, right? So that would be probably my, my first things. And then we would go into technical stuff. And I want, I, I want to know the past experience that it has with platforms, um, if he had worked before with WooCommerce, um, which plugins he had worked before. Um, does he understand that although everything is customizable, it comes with a price, not everything is just works out of the box, um, those kind of stuff. And that would already give me a great advantage of profiling the client and to know how well is he prepared for the challenge ahead because it's not only opening a store and going to sell right away. It is a lot of marketing work. It is a lot of knowing your audience and putting uh, your uh, website out there. That is not us that have to do, right? That's awesome. How do you identify a freelancer? Is there like a bidding process or how do you know who would be the best person to do this job? Um, it depends on the job that comes in. Um, we have, in some cases, we have pre-built um, pods or teams that deal with specific project types as they come in. Projects will get routed to those specific teams, dependent, especially if they're coming from a partner of some type. So if I have a group of experts who are particularly adept at dealing with a certain thing or I'm running an offer, that will go to a specific uh, set of experts. Um, otherwise, it's handled by what we call our uh, um, OM team or opportunity management team, which is a subset of the support team. Um, general projects will come in. They'll go to everyone on the platform. There's full visibility. Proje experts can pick up projects as and when they want. Um if if it comes in and they're not getting engagement or the they're reaching out to us and saying, hey, there, this isn't happening, I'll take a look at the project and help the customer specify their brief, point out any red flags. They, typical red flag for a developer is something like, this should be easy for an expert like you. If you're a customer and you write that in your brief, you probably aren't getting engagement. So I'll have a read through, make sure... And I'll match them specifically. I'll reach out to individual experts. I have an internal knowledge base of expert skills, capabilities, capacity that I will then reach out to and match up accordingly to this is a great expert for this person or client particularly. They have capacity. They have skills. Away you go. So there's a couple of different ways to answer your question, Maya. Thank you. While we're talking about that, because you're talking about reaching out, I wanted to ask you guys about the tool sets that you use, whether it be for project management, team communication, client communication. Obviously, with you guys, there's going to be the Codable as part of your communication here. But, you know, what other tools are you using on a day-to-day -day basis? And I kind of figure it'll be a little different between the two of you, but maybe there's, I imagine there's Very some, I imagine there's some crossover too. Like, are you using Slack? Are you using RingCentral? Mm -hmm. you, you know, what are you guys using? What project management, things like that? Or you just, I plug it all into Excel and do it there, whatever, you know? So... I've, I've gone through many, many tools uh, forth and back, and I've been that kind of a person who would write journals, who would uh, use every single app that's out there for every single different task. And I already did the opposite. I would um, I already not used as many apps as I should. I was um, not organized. I didn't um, use all the potential that is out there, mobile phones of other so kinds of software. But basically, 
what I currently do is I always tend to use some sort of uh, note-taking app. And for me right now, Notion would be the, the one to go where I can uh, do a lot of stuff, right? Just write random notes to um, just schedule my day or to just get all the password stores or whatever I need for, for, for all my work. And uh, then the rest would be basically Slack, maybe Skype. I would not um, give to all my clients all my um, means of communications or ways of communications that they have to, to reach me out. I tend to keep all the clients inside, in this case, Codable, inside the workroom, inside their chat. I do not use uh, that much of other systems to, to have clients reach me out. Otherwise, it would be notifications here in left and right. Uh, but it's mainly Slack, it's Notion, and then two or three other tools to just keep me reminded that I have to move myself, some sort of uh, uh, mental health um, kind of apps that will uh, guide me through the morning, perhaps, and nothing fancy at all. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like, and by the way, so it sounds like another advantage of Codable is it's giving you another communication means there that you can run all your clients through, which saves you some money as well. So that's kind of cool. It's not a paid for, or you're not having to hop into five different ones uh, with clients. Because I mean, I, on my agency side, you know, we have clients mm -hmm. are like, can you please get in our teams? And can you get in and this one's like, can you be in our Slack workspace? And you know, and mm -hmm. you're just like, I have messages coming at me left and right from all different places. So smart that you're keeping it all in the codable client area there. So Christopher, your turn. Um, I see a, a codable expert in the chat saying Trello. No, not Trello. I don't use Trello. It's an internal joke we have going. Um, Specifically, I use uh, Slack uh, for communication on the expert side. I manage the whole community through Slack, at least adult communications. We have a lot of channels covering different topics, whatever they, um, uh, whatever is needed at any particular time, or everything ranging from gaming to Bible studies, basically, and everything in between, um, work-related or otherwise. ClickUp, I've experimented with. I see Jeremy's mentioning ClickUp. Experimented with ClickUp for knowledge management for the community specifically. I use Sensei and WordPress installs. And for CRM for experts specifically, so to understand what they're what they're doing and how they're performing, I suppose you could say, or what their what what the expert looks like, what their skills are, how they're working. I use uh, Jetpack CRM for that a lot. And I integrate across, we have a custom-built application in Ruby, which does a lot of data collection to understand experts. More specifically, I use business analysis tools to digest that data as well, basically. Those are my tool set, more or less. Nice. Hey, Bob WP here, and I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do The Woo. Now, if you're looking for that right plugin for your client's Woo shop, chances are Yith will have what you are looking for. With over 100 plugins, I'm sure you will find that sweet spot. For example, their memberships and subscription plugin is perfect for selling videos, courses, lessons, consultancies, by restricting more access to member only and creating recurring income. To complement that plugin, the Yith dynamic pricing allows you to create your own Amazon Prime-like benefits and discounts for your members. Visit yetthemes.com to check out their extensive collection of plugins. 
When it comes to building Wu sites for your clients, everyone has their own strengths. If you need help with your clients' conversions and revenue, the team at Modeffect can be a part of your strategy to help your clients avoid the hassle of management and training. Partner up with Modeffect and let them help you keep your clients running smoothly in the long run at modeffect.com. Now let's head back to the show. And we do have a question um, that I think we should uh, address here. And someone said, why would I use something like Codable instead of Upwork for my WooCommerce site? Uh, Sam Carlton. I'm going to let you guys decide which one of you is going to answer this first. But I think you both should give us a feedback because it's from both sides. Go on, Marcel. Go on. Uh, no, I just wanted to point this before, and we were talking about this, and I was not sure if we were talking too much about Codable or not. But uh, what I wanted to add to what makes Codable also um, a great option for, for everyone out there is that if you're not sure who expert to pick or if there are too many experts that are jumping into your project or if you want just to first ask support or ask um, the people at Codable uh, if they know, if they have any advice of any expert out there that would help with that specific project. I, I don't see that any, anybody, anywhere else. So just having come into Codable and have access to a person, hey, I have this project, this is the scope. I wanna have this and this and this working in three weeks, in three months, um, do you have somebody you would recommend? Do you recommend we open the, the project? Is there any preferred expert that I can choose from that has this specific skills? That alone is already like super valuable, right? And you didn't even pay to post that, that project there. So I, that's for me, it's like the greatest advantage. Of awesome. And have you tried some of the other uh, platforms as well? So me as, a, as, a, as an expert, I haven't tried others um, because by the time I was just choosing around and, and looking what I would do, I had enough with my agency work. I had a lot of people working for me and it was just a headache with all the tasks that I had to do and the contacts and the clients and then looking up for all the, the, the employees that we had. I looked a couple of other um, platforms out there and I, I've posted a couple of questions. I've asked around and Codable was just the fastest and best communicating and more encouraging ones answering me back. So I had immediately no doubts that I would choose Codable, but I don't have any sort of like list comparisons, pro and cons about any others. Mm-hmm. I really didn't look up. I'm super happy where I am. So I, I wouldn't answer, I wouldn't know how to answer exactly your question. Okay, no, that's fine. So now Christopher, we'll get from your slide of point. I mean, obviously you think Codable's the one we should choose, but why? Yeah, I work for them. Um, as a freelancer, because I freelanced for seven years before I joined anything in-house. As a, so I'll second Marcel's point there. I did use um, those platforms that shall be named. Oh, he's named them. Uh, Upwork, uh, Elance, Odesk. I used a freelancer, Guru. I used all of those platforms when they were coming up. Uh, people per hour, every, all of them. Because I freelanced, I I was a digital nomad around Europe at the time. I used all of them. The moment I joined Code, because I joined as a freelancer originally on the platform, um, it changed my life, basically. I went from bidding on... uh, This doesn't particularly answer your question, but I'm going to go down this route anyway. I went from bidding on um, a... Bidding, competing with 30 different people for one job and being underpaid to actually being paid what I was worth or what I thought I was worth so I could eat. And 
I could actually earn money doing what I love doing. Why would I use something like Codable instead of Atmos for my WooCommerce site? You could list it off. You could list off a couple of different reasons. A, because I can guarantee you that the quality of the work you're going to receive is going to be pretty much unparalleled in the WordPress community. Uh, B, because I can guarantee you that the per- people you're working with are vetted not only for code quality standard, but also customer service, uh, communication skills. They're vetted and they're held to that standard longer term. C, because you're going to be paying someone fairly for the job they're doing. If you want to pay someone a pittance to do your e-commerce site, I would argue that's not a good business model. So go do it. And I would argue you'll probably regret it longer term because you will get what you pay for. Would be my point. (laughs) Test it. We have the amount of customers we have coming from those other platforms after they've spent a year chucking money down the drain to get something done is a long, long, long list. And do you guys, and you probably don't have exact numbers, but do you know a a rough percentage of how much WooCommerce business you guys have seen in the last 16 months? I mean, like what percentage of the work coming through is WooCommerce? Uh, A large chunk. I mean, we're part of WooCommerce's, if you go to WooCommerce customizations, we're part of their recommended providers, I suppose you could argue in that regard. So a large chunk. They're a partner, of course. Um, a lot. I like that. A lot. Because generally, I think 2020 has been an exceptional year for online business generally and moving online generally. And uh, Coda as a platform has been helping to support both sides of it, both the freelancer getting into the market and <clears throat> or taking that plunge away and the other side with e-com stores. A lot, uh, a lot of the business that comes through generally is 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 e-com and WooCommerce. It's not the only thing by a long measure, but it's a yeah, it's a chunk of a chunk of work that comes in, isn't it? And so, Marcel, is that is that mainly what you do? The work that you get through Codable is it mainly WooCommerce or you are iOS ah. as well? So I do, I do, I have the the fortune to to do mobile as well, so I can connect to different worlds. Well, different in terms in technical terms, but in, I can complement, sort of say, the, the WooCommerce space by offering some more uh, mobile expertise. And I had the opportunity to work at two uh, um, projects that not only sold products online, but they also had their apps, and they were also related to virtual reality, where you could uh, try um, earrings and necklaces on yourself. Nice. It's really nice. And so. I, I only do been doing WooCommerce stuff, and I've been getting a lot of requests of people that want to work with us. And and regarding to WooCommerce, I cannot say that there is more or less because I've been working with WooCommerce especially for for the last year years. But I'm I'm for sure confident that WooCommerce is is um, has never been um, so um, looked for and and requested by clients than than before. I'm pretty sure about that. I'd like to interject here. Marcel has been too humble. What he's done with regard the bleeding edge software that he's developed with regards to headless WooCommerce and AR is some of the best stuff I've seen in a load of years. It's really good. It's really good. And you've got you've got Hidgets, Marcel. Come on, you've got to talk about Hidgets. No, yeah. So I've, I've, the, the the cool thing about being a mobile developer as well is you can you, you just relate to the mobile the platform itself. So that the the, um, the things that are missing over there, 
like the opportunity that you have in terms of, of uh, building tools for other people to, to, to use the mobile phones in different ways. For me as a mobile developer as well is, is something very motivating. It's the same thing for a web developer, right? If you have a technology and if you have a platform, you're just providing solutions and, and other ways for people to uh, expose their products, to, to sell their products. On the mobile platform, you also have that opportunity. So what Chris is talking about, Hidgets, is uh, just displaying widgets on iOS that will relate to your health information, the steps that you've taken, the distances, calories, everything related to heartbeat and et cetera, and providing that as widgets or as a good information or ground information that when you pick up your phone, you can, can uh, look at that. But more importantly, the content of this app is just the opportunity that it creates you to, to be solving problems or providing solutions that are um, um, not, uh, as, not as easy as a web developer, as a, as a mobile developer. And what I'm thinking of doing in the future is sort of like trying to, to bridge or to get a, a more connection between WooCommerce, between mobile platforms, between virtual reality. AR is coming into place. Uh, we're soon going to be see glasses. We're going to be wearing glasses where everything is going to be much more technological, and it's all related to the same thing. So I'm really looking forward to, to take more advantage of that mobile uh, development part for sure. Nice. It's really interesting. That's a, it's an interesting space you're in there because I dabble mm -hmm. over in the AR world as well some, and so it's interesting that you're, you're combining that with WooCommerce through mobile. I like that. Interesting. Well, what do you do, Robbie? In the AR, um, uh, so just uh, building some uh, AR for training, a few lightweight training, so that like you can look through a mobile phone and it would mm -hmm. activate um, a training about a certain thing that you're looking at for a client. Anyway, just different different training work to use AR, just because it's a you know like Marcel mentioned, AR and VR are pretty heavy out there right now, and it's just going to grow. That's mm -hmm. going to grow. That space is definitely going to grow. Um, but with VR, when you have to have goggles and things like that, it's limiting on you know what corporations especially can pay to have the mm -hmm. training done that way. And so when you're talking about AR that can be usually done with a smartphone and most people have those in their hand. And so I think that's why AR has, in my opinion, and I don't have stats on this, AR is kind of more widely accepted right now over VR, but VR definitely has its place and it's really cool. I went to a couple of conferences. You should just, it's amazing what some of the stuff that they're doing with it and what's, what's coming up Ooh. down the line for us. So I think that's cool, but I really like that you're mixing it. You know, you're thinking of that connection to, to WooCommerce here too, because that's. And, and there's, and there's so much you can do um, with AI as well, right? So if you take your phone you take a picture of a shirt and then you look for a similar shirts, or if you have a, a WooCommerce store that has a thousand products and people would, like to know if you have a product similar to this one and you take a photo with your phone and it search for that product. I mean, there are, there are a lot of things that you can still do that um, nobody did before. And I'm just kind of looking for those opportunities and trying to, to connect those um, interesting features that only mobile only uh, applications can do. Definitely going to be doing more of that in the next and in the coming years. And we could just have a complete talk about VR, AR, uh, e-commerce in general. AI and whatnot, other technologies out there, because I, this is going to be the future, period. No discussion about it. 
Please don't. That's awesome. Listen, Marcel, since you're developing such cool things, I have Anisha shopping online and I still haven't managed to buy shoes from the first time. Okay. I always buy like either small, uh, like a size bigger or a size smaller and whatever. And then I end up buying the third pair, which is correct. I have a solution. I have a solution for you. Um, I'm just kidding, but just, just want to spend 30 seconds and explain this. So the latest technology that we are going to see in mobile, it's not probably going to solve the shoe problem because the shoe is not only about the length, it's about different aspects of your foot that may, may, may not fit that exact shoe. But, but you will be able to uh, just make, um, like take your phone and, and just show around with the camera around your foot, uh, barrelless foot, and it takes a measure of a foot, and then it's going to choose the right size for you if you upload that information to the website. That is not difficult to do, actually. It's just, it's super, it's not practical right now. So what we're we still missing in the next five to 10 years is that this technology that makes it possible to very easily make a 3D object scannable by a, by a mobile phone is not uh, on the hands of, of millions of people right now. It's just not that popular right now, but it's going to be a trend. You're going to be doing 3D objects with your phone and it could very well be for your foot and just try different shoes or you can even do a 3D mapping of your whole self and, and put different clothes on and different shoes on and those. 3D map it, route it to my CNC router. It'll cut out wooden clogs for you that are the exact measurements and we'll ship them out, Marcel. Um, I think you did hit on something though. I mean, as you can see to woodworking, that there's a lot of movement in additive ma- manufacturing lately as well, rather than reductive manufacturing. So if I can see the future where you're 3D mapping something and making it exactly, it's 3D printed or custom built off of that using like a CNC type-esque machine on the other end, that you're getting truly customized pieces of clothes or whatever that are just automatically run out rather than having that mass manufacturing approach that we've had previously. I just actually saw a Kickstarter and basically they are doing uh, sunglasses, but the sunglasses are custom made to fit your, your face. So if you need a shorter face, yeah. So I was like, Oh, that's really cool. It makes sense. Yeah. It's still, I think it was still uh, trying to get funding, but still I was like, Oh, I think we're going to see this just like you said, I think we're going to see this on more items too. And so, and Mm -hmm. so when those kind of things happen, We've got to have the capability of asking a lot of different questions in that WooCommerce shopping experience to be able to get the right information to do customized products. So, Marcel, you and well, Christopher mentioned you're doing headless in, in the headless space, and obviously you kind of have to go headless to go to the iOS. But do you also then uh, do headless just in the browser as well? Or are you only going headless when you're going to mobile devices with WooCommerce? So it, it depends on, on the customer, it depends on the amount of products that they have, the uh, expectant, expectance that they have in terms of, of the uh, audience, in terms of the viewers or the visits they're going to get to the website. I'm, I don't jump in immediately to Headless just because it's cool and it's modern and it's going to solve a lot of problems. It's actually, for the expert, maybe a little bit more difficult at first to deal with and set up than, than anything else. For sure, it has its advantages. It is... Uh, super fast and people are comparing milliseconds of differences between loading headless or not headless and 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 just getting servers out there that are more capable than others and just the whole discussion about which is best 
is for me not a discussion. It is only just another tool that I have in my tool set to provide to the client. If everything else that is easier for me and, and less expensive for the client fails, right? That's what I'm into headless. I, I love it. I, the, the, the concept is awesome. I do not see as honestly going to have a 95% of the website being headless and just a checkout being um, a direct experience because it has problems as well, right? And we actually don't need it that much as people say, right? So um, although it is a very cool, academic, awesome way to solve uh, a lot of problems, I'm not seeing is as to be uh, applicable, I wouldn't even say to 10, even 5% of the WordPress, uh, WooCommerce websites out there. But that's just my opinion. I, I think we actually really struck a little chord there with our AR VR talk. Uh, Mike Demo said that he's actually used a, an AR ring checker like sizing on a, on a site. I wonder, Mike, if you know if it was a WooCommerce site you're on or not. That'd be interesting. Uh, so we also wanted to know: uh, Do your any of your teammates or yourselves uh, contribute back into Woo? Uh, any any code base coming back from you guys or people around you? Uh, Woo, yeah, specifically, yeah, I'm an active member of the WooCommerce developers community on Slack, um, particularly WooCommerceCommunity.slack.com. I've done some contributions there, uh, helped out on their Facebook group as a volunteer there as well at times. Um, I know committed some code back at some point, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's a, an important thing across the board to do. Eventually, I'd like to see... I love what they're doing lately where... They're signposting a lot more on how developers should get involved and stuff. I think that's really important. Um, I think Alan, Mr. Smith, is is doing a great job as as Dev Wrangler there at the moment. Yeah. Christopher got his gold star. <laughs> it's your turn, Marcel. <laughs> so I wanted to ask Chris for advices in that in the regard because I do not do as much as I, I would like to. Um, I have Oh, I'll get you on board, don't worry. <laughs> I, I, I struggle a bit in, in getting my, my schedule organized and finding free time for me is, is a, a little bit difficult. I did contribute back in the days a little bit to the mobile um, team. Um, I did also some sort of contributions not in terms of code, but in terms of discussions that, had, that were going on. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to maybe do some more of that um, um, community work. Um, we were talking also the other day about that and also here locally in, in Portugal and in Portugal, I would definitely would want to get into a phase where I could separate a couple of hours in, in the week for, for that. And if there's anybody out there who has tips on how to do that, the organizing part in terms of the scheduling, I would really love to do that. And um, yeah, but right now uh, it's, it's so much work and so much new stuff to try out and, and to experiment that I'm probably more inclined into that than, than doing communication. But it, I think it's super, super important. And I probably feel bad, I would say, not having as much time as I would like to, to, to contribute back for sure. To, to not be too hard on you, must, you do have a family and children and, and everything else as well in between. So Yes, yes, of course. And, but, but not to, to, to get too much uh, um, talking about this. It, it's, it's also because what I provide to the family and what, what I can do as, as my day job, it's also because other people spend their time uh, contributing and doing their True, stuff yeah. their part. So I, I just feel like it's, I'm not feeling very, very bad about it. Of course not, but I'm, I feel that I have to give back more than to take and I've taken a lot and not given enough. So that's in the state that I find myself right now. I, I think a lot of people who are 
in any open source community, quite honestly, that are making money with the open source products that they're using or even uh, even paid for plugins, things like that, they still feel... Um, one, you're super busy. I totally get that. And so it makes it hard and, it, and you have to find a balance. And I, I, I see a lot of people who they don't balance it. And what, they, what happens is then they go down the, um, the volunteer route so much that there's a detriment to their business or whatever. And so I, it, you're right. It's all about finding that balance um, and maybe finding other ways that you can contribute. I mean, not everyone can write code, right? And I mean, you guys can, but I'm just saying that there's a lot of different ways. Yes, exactly. You guys are contributing right now by sharing your knowledge, whether it be on podcasts, whether it be at conferences, whether online or hopefully back in person soon. Um, That is also, that's a a contribution. You know, you guys are contributing here. Uh, Just write a blog post every now and then that gives some sort of knowledge out there too. That, that helps. It helps other people. It helps, it helps the community itself and the project. And since we don't have too much time, so it's a great time to ask, um, a philosophical question, right? Yes. I, from your personal opinion, who develops online business? The or the vision of owners of business or the technical capacity and ability what the platform can do? So who is actually taking the lead there? I, I honestly think it is... The, 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 there's no right answer, but to my experience, um, I wouldn't be able to give owners ideas that I have if I wouldn't be able to to contact them and they wouldn't be able to fulfill that ideas if they didn't have the technical help, which is contributing more. Um, I, I don't think there's ever a, a, um, a moment um, where one is more than the other. It's it's a fourth and back. It's a game. Um, the, 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 the technology is there and it's created. And then um, a store owner comes in and says, hey, I could use that to solve my problem. Or the other way, there is a problem and there is no solution for that, and there are a group of developers who develop that solution. So I think it's 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 a, a, a circle, never-ending circle, uh, which doesn't give any more credibility or any more uh, uh, how would you say any more. Um, it's it's not more the owner or more the developer. It's both. Uh, they wouldn't exist if they didn't uh, work together. Uh, but maybe I would say. The technical part is a little more important. I think I agree with Marcel. Like, I don't think the technical part is particularly more important without... To be a successful online e-commerce business, you need to be a customer that is willing to give up particular things, specifically control of particular decisions, to an expert that knows what they're doing. Otherwise, you're not going... If an expert's telling you, don't use a carousel with... 50 megabyte images in it if you're stubborn enough to say you want my carousel then it's your own fault but i also think the opposite is true the cust- the expert also needs to know that they wouldn't be there without that customer having the idea and having the money and putting it in and so it's six of one half dozen of the other it's the conflict a successful business is one that is able to meet in the middle between those two parties, I would argue, and meet in the middle successfully between those two parties, merge the best of one and the best of the other to be able to deliver at the end something that is going to be successful. Both parties need to listen, both parties need to understand the other point, and both need to dance around until what's produced is something beautiful, I suppose, as they say. So it's a mix of of empathy, technology, and some will to succeed, right? 
because uh, it seems that everybody has to have a compromise on all these things. Because I'm sure like clients come with their own opinion and then there's a developer saying, hey, okay, these are the dreams. Okay, let me move you back to reality. This is how it should be. So there is this adjustment part, right? There's also like they, they, people will come with a load of dreams. Well, don't come, I don't think people come with dreams. People come not, not knowing or not understand. Someone quoted at me yesterday. Um, the job of the developer isn't to execute; is to is to provide clarity, which makes sense uh, to some degree. Like your people will come with loose ideas, and they're not sure how to achieve these things. They've seen something, but they kind of want something that's similar. It's never a carbon copy. The developer's job is to. The developer's job isn't just to produce code and give it to the customer. A, a developer's job is, or an expert's job is to manage expectations, to understand when to push back and what battles to fight. And it is to take that jumbled mess of creativity or idea spurt that the customer has had and turn it into something tangible. And understanding what what they want is, is probably the most difficult thing I have another developer I spoke to a couple of years ago, and he said, "Our jobs is our job is requirement extraction, which is another good way of putting it. It's how do you get from the what's in someone's head and put it so that you're matching the idea they had in their head." There is a great book by um, the guy from MythBusters, Adam Savage. I was listening to the other day, and he said. Take an idea of something you want to build and describe it to someone and ask them to draw it. I bet you what they draw isn't what you have in your head. A developer, their job is to understand what that person's describing and deliver what's in their head. And to do it effectively, you need to be in sync with that person. You need to understand what that person's thinking before they're thinking it. You need to be merged. You need to be in the middle if that makes sense. Does that answer the question? But Chris, if I can interject, is that the developer's job yeah. is if, if he cannot write and if he asks, um, is this the right picture? Did I, is this what you were thinking? And, and the client goes, no. Mm -hmm. Then is this probably your job to tell him maybe what are options he has to describe me the picture so that I can get the picture, right? Yeah, of course. And that experience only comes with, with time as long as you've seen um, a lot of online businesses, a lot of clients, a lot of ideas that you tried to develop and, and they didn't work. Mm -hmm. Those were unfortunately failures for a store owner, of course, but they only enriched your experience into knowing, oh, you're trying me to tell that you want six wheels, not four, but this is, you're not using the right tool to describe that. So that's, that's also the part of the, of the developer. So that's why mm -hmm. I would probably say, more technical, but it's it's both parts, of course. It's it's, it's both. Parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that in that analogy, to use the same one, it's the developer's job to give the customer a pencil and understand that when they're talking about the swirly thing on the front page, they mean they mean the carousel. That's what they mean. They mean that swirly thing on the front page you're talking about is the carousel. They we have a vocabulary that we've learned over time that clients necessarily. I don't know necessarily have that we need to understand how to translate some requirements that people will write down sometimes like the, the swirly thing on the front page is an actual example wow. of someone amazing I have a team of people whose job it is is to help customers 
express what they want in particular ways to help and then help match them with a person that will be able to understand them moving forward. Like a literal team that that is their job, concierging projects and understanding opportunities and manage them across the board to put them in front of the right expert at the right time. And they do a great job. Joseph Ripple and Liz Lockwood, they do an amazing job. And I call that, I call it translating. I call it translating too. You're, what that customer is saying and you're translating it into a speech that the technical side can understand so that they are talking about the same thing. It's mm-hmm. no different than if you have two different languages here and you're a translator between. And you do need a translator to have successful projects because otherwise this person is talking about something totally different from this person over here and they're just not even under, they're talking a whole conversation not even knowing that they're, they're talking about two different things. So I think that's key. And that was not the question I thought you were going to ask, Maya. I'm going to ask this one last question before we let you guys go, and that is, are you a cat person or a dog person? And this can be hard for Christopher. He's a chicken person. No. <laughs> I was going to say I'm a chicken person. There we go. That's my answer. You have dogs, cats, horses, chickens. I live on a farm. Yes, Robbie. I have uh, copious amounts of animals running around. Like, it's madness. Um, yes. It's fun, but madness. Yeah, Marcel? I'm allergic to cats. I don't trust cats. Um, I do not get near one. And my son wants one desperately. So I love dogs. What is it you don't trust about cats? How can you not trust them? That is another whole one-hour <laughs> podcast that we can do later on. Fair enough. Marcel, Marcel's fear of cats. Yes. So <laughs> How funny. Marcel versus felines, round one. No, you need to get a dog. I love dogs. I had dogs before. I love dogs. I would have another one if I could. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate you spending this time with You're us. You're welcome. Christopher, sorry we uh, got you in that final video, but, you know, hey, it's great. It's okay. Great. You did a fantastic job. Both of you did a great job. Thank you Thank so you, much. Robbie. It was a, a very lively conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I hope our, our listeners did as well. Thank you. I wanted to thank both of you for an amazing hosting, Robbie. Like, thank you for having me. I know myself personally, and and thank you, Maya, as well for for being great. It was it was awesome. fun. It was really awesome. fun. Yes, thank you guys. Thank you very much. Lovely to see you always. And regards from Bob and everyone in the team. And uh, we see you next time in the next uh, movies chat. Thanks a lot, guys. That's a wrap. Would like to thank our pod friends, Yith and Motivect. Do check them out at yiththemes.com and modeeffect.com. Till the next time, keep doing the woo.